On the eighth night of Christmas, my golf game gave to me my golf pros as my confidants. Hello and welcome back to the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, as always. And today I've got a few thoughts on what it's like to have my golf pro friends as something more than just the professional that I go see when I've got a hitch in my giddy up and a problem in my golf game. You know, there used to be places that men would go, that people would go, where they could be amongst their own and talk candidly, and even maybe something beyond candidly. Um, I'm talking about the barber shop, uh, the tavern or pub in a, a local community uh, for women, maybe the hairdressers or the salon, the even to a lesser extent, maybe the, the water cooler at the office or the the break room at the plant, people, places where you'd interact and you would just pick up the conversation right where you left off the day before, the week before, or something like that. A place to chew the fat, to test out your pet theories, to find out what's going on. Um, all of the places I just listed, I have limited utility for. Obviously, if you've seen pictures of me on social media, the only time I need to get to the barbershop is when my kids need a haircut. My days of lingering in the tavern have been replaced with days on the ball field and nights in the gym or walking the dog. And uh, I'd rather be out doing the work, um, communicating, showing properties, consulting, advising in person rather than lingering around the office and doing it all from beneath halogen lights. So for me, one of my great joys are the relationships I've cultivated with our local golf pros. Because frankly, that's the place I can go and chat about things of common interest or of differing opinions and kind of, I hate, I can't believe I'm going to say this, maybe in a safe space. You know, it's not that I'm going someplace to, to learn dirty jokes and talk out of school about things, but it's where and go look somebody in the eye, or maybe a couple of guys, maybe there'll be some other players in there, and I can just have light, honest conversation. You know, it's, it, it, I'll take it wherever I can find it, uh, on the range, um, you know, places that if, if I get somebody out on the practice green and they've got a few minutes to chat, I guess I'm more aware of it than I used to be. I don't want to monopolize people's time or, or keep them against their will in a conversation. Nobody likes that guy. Um, but, you know, lingering around a pro shop or a clubhouse, that's that's the new tavern for me. You know, put a putter in my hand, maybe look over new equipment and, and just talk. Or if I can grab one in their office, if they've got, they invite me in, that's something I'm going to treasure. That's something I'm going to enjoy that day. Um, you know, why... Why golf pros? Well, maybe part of it's they've got, you know, there's a common interest, a love of golf, even though it's their job and my hobby in most cases. Um, but it, they have the stories I don't have. They have the experiences I don't have. I came to golf as an adult. I don't have any youth golf stories, any, you know, my tournament stories are non-competitive events, you know, more like a, a golf league or just an excuse to see someplace they have, in most cases, they have seen golf courses that I haven't, so they can give me uh, an opinion, memories on places they've seen and been. You know, I've never, obviously never taken or passed a, a PAT test that 
um, a PGA golf professional has to do. So, um, you know, they know things that I don't. And it's not that I'm in there soliciting free advice when I'm talking to these guys. It's just that, again, they at least have a perspective on golf that I don't have um, because they're just so immersed in it in ways they may not even realize until, you know, a customer or a client or somebody comes to them. Um, but I'm always interested in knowing what they know. You know, I've got my guys out at Man of War Golf. They are, uh, among their many hats that they wear, they are in the equipment business. They sell a lot of merchandise out there. They are world-class fitters and club builders out there. So to kind of get their take on what's happening, on what's coming down the pipeline, I lean on for that. I mean, I'm not a gear junkie. I don't know. I mean, I know there are release cycles for new golf products, but I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's hot and what's kind of thumbs down or meh. Um, you know, the, it's funny that they have a wide range, old guys and new guys. They cycle through a lot of, um, interns and a lot of young guys getting into the golf industry. So it's, it's interesting to kind of pick their brains and, and see where they're from and what they've been into. It's, you know, good sounding boards for, whatever theories or problems I might have with my swing um, or someone else's swing or, or, you know, see what they're doing, why they do it. You can always, you know, I'm a firm believer that you can always learn something else. Um, And it's also the golf shop, the clubhouse is a great place for kind of word on the street banter to figure out what's, what's going on in the golf industry and in a a given association, maybe a state association um, in city politics you know, city, county government, people talk to their golf pro, people complain to them during a lesson, and the pros that, that I know are pretty adept at picking people's brains. So um, it's always interesting to kind of find out those are, maybe that's a guilty pleasure part of it, is to to kind of be in the know. I think every, everybody likes that, to figure out what the, the gossip is. And golf gossip is just such a narrow community, I think, that it's fun to, to be a part of when you can get it. So... Um, you know, appreciate the guys that some of them have the gift of gab. Some of them love to tell extravagant, maybe sometimes exaggerated stories. It's all entertaining. Um, you know, they're all fun. I could obviously, I could certainly be a better listener at some points and maybe less of a talker. I'm sure they wouldn't mind that. Um, but it, it's been fun, you know, being able to go from, just somebody that chats with them. I've been able to play in tournaments with a couple of pros, little pro-am deals, which are, if you ever get the opportunity, if you're ever asked to do that, say yes. You will never have more fun on the golf course. You get a golf pro out there having fun, you know, they're swinging their swing, which is, for someone like me, it's a different ball game. And it's just fun to see them out there in that environment. You know, I, I always have a lot of respect for the the club pros that play you know we've got a good group here in Lexington and there's a a big group in Louisville of of club professionals and other professionals not touring pros but guys but they get out and play in their the Kentucky PGA events or they play in pro-ams and things and it's it's really cool to see and get somebody with some talent out there uh, just something different to see you know for me in an increasingly transactional world you know we got pretty removed from each other um, coming out of the pandemic, um, introverts learn to introvert in whole new ways. 
Um, but it kind of, those relationships with our, it's a way to feel a part of the golf community. You know, I'm not a member of a club. I'm a gypsy that plays basically daily fee golf, be it at the municipal courses or some of our other daily fees here in central Kentucky. And, you know, it's that connection with the golf pros that just kind of collegial, uh, feeling is what it's important. It helps kind of keep me bound to the community it's a fiber that that keeps me from spinning off into kind of my own little deal sometimes which i find interesting it's interesting that a game that can be so solitary so individual and segregated you know they're not i'm not a member of a golf team in my mid-40s i don't i'm not getting camaraderie of going out and practicing and you know having nine hole competitions with guys other than in our league so that it's the the golf pros it's the guys that know your name that you know know your story that legitimately when they ask you how you're doing they mean it um those are the guys that are such an important part of the golf experience to me so um if you have a good golf pro if you're you're lucky enough to have a uh men and women at your club or in your golf community that you have a relationship with don't take it for granted. Good for you. Three cheers for them. Um, don't complain too much. Trust me, they're doing the best they can. It probably isn't their fault anyway. That goes double for turf guys, by the way. Uh, everything that I've just said absolutely goes double for the turf guys. I've been a grunt. I've worked at a couple of golf courses, mowing, raking traps, de-algene ponds, um, just all the unspeakable stuff. And you know what? Those guys are working hard and they're doing the, you know, their supers and their assistants are doing the best they can too. So, and the whole other, whole other range of gossip and fun conversations happen at that end of the golf course operations center. Trust me. Um, but if you've got a good golf pro, it, teaching pro, club pro, director of golf, manager, doesn't matter. If you got somebody that you can talk to that makes you f- feel like you're part of the golf community, you're better for it and you're lucky to have them talk to you guys tomorrow. One of the coolest things I've ever seen on a golf course is I watched a golf pro in real time absolutely turn it on and find the extra gear. I was playing in a mega pro-am with uh, Aaron McDowell, one of our local pros. And so it's him and three of us amateurs. And we come upon a nominally drivable par four. Not drivable for me because I was I just don't hit it that far. But I want to say it was like 290 or 300 or something, maybe a little less. But as a shot, you had to kind of shape a little bit. You couldn't just whack it out there because there was a tree blocking a goodly chunk of the direct line to the hole. And Aaron had been hitting it really good all day. He's a long driver of the golf ball anyway. You know, big swing speed. Um, But standing right there behind him on the tee box, and I watched him. He got, it wasn't his normal swing that he'd been using all day. I think he'd been hitting a fairway finder pretty much all day because, I mean, he's a golf pro and that he hits it out there plenty far enough for us to, to take advantage of, or for him to take advantage of. But on this one, when he was trying to find a little extra, it was so instructive. He... He slowed it down a little bit, and he didn't stop at the top where he had been stopping. He reached back for a little bit more, and 
absolutely unloaded. I mean, it was like a a catapult that had been pulled a little bit extra back. And boy, he just fired, and it was impressive. It made that sound that I'd heard at Valhalla when Torpro, you know, going and watch the PGA. It was what I imagine you'd hear at most pro tournaments or even at high level, you know, super high level amateur events, guys with with just absolutely elite swing speed. And to be able to see that firsthand and to kind of notice it in real time that, oh, that's what it's like uh, to rear back and wallop one. He wasn't, it wasn't going faster. He just loaded a little further and was a little more careful and then pulled that rubber band a little tighter and then unloaded. So that was that was something cool that I'm, I'm grateful I got to see. 